1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. We always say it, we always mean it, because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. I have a quote from Mad Street Den, a computer vision and artificial intelligence article from January 2016 at Medium.com. Let me read this and it will get us started. Technology is reinventing the store. We're talking about retail and reimagining the customer experience rather than build more. Experts encourage retailers to focus on enhancing their existing platforms, and here's the key, and to shift their mindsets to customer behavior. Aha. So what are we talking about? We're talking about everything from social showrooming, which is when you visit a store to look at a product, and then you buy it online for a cheaper price. Come on, you've probably done it. From social showrooming to crowdsourcing, from smart curation to sustainable fashion, the fashion industry is evolving It's happening fast. And what's playing a key role? You know what I'm going to say, technology. It's helping us figure out how we want to dress, how we want to be seen, and what the industry is going to be capable of doing for us and with us. We're seeing some exciting trends. I'll just rattle off a few of them. Internet of Things sensors and beacons are recognizing shoppers. Uh Aha, do you feel like they're looking at you? They might be. And making personalized sales offers to you, to us. Number two. Near field communications are helping to gauge inventory and make quick impulse offers to shoppers when you're in the vicinity of a store and have check out this contact list. I don't know about that yet, but we'll find out. Virtual reality is letting shoppers try things on online. Have you ever tried on a dress or shoes online? I haven't, but maybe I should. And receive virtual style guide advice powered by machine learning. It all sounds like woohoo to me. And sustainable supply chains are facilitated by blockchain. We have three panelists. I'm so pleased to have them today. And in case this topic sounds a little familiar, the future of fashion, will technology dress us for success? We covered it in June, June 21st to be exact, this year, 2018, on our series called Changing the Game in Consumer Industries Radio. It was such a compelling topic. I invited the panelists that We have one replacement panelist, but from the same company as the original one, to join me today to bring it to our Coffee Break audience all over the world. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Let me tell you who my three panelists are, and then we'll get started. In a moment, we'll be introducing, again, Dr. Timo Sandritter. He spells his last name S-A-N-D-R-I-T-T-E-R. He's the Chief Operations Officer at LDJ Productions, and we'll find out what he does there in a few minutes. Joining us is a newcomer, Adrian Slater client lead at Keytree. And he is sitting in for his colleague, Andrew Miller, who was on the original panel, also at Keytree. Thank you, Adrian, for joining us. And third up is our returning panelist, Peter Akbar, a solution manager at SAP. So gentlemen, thank you for joining me. And let's go around the table to Dr. Timo Sandritter. Timo has sent us a quote from Mark Twain. If anybody doesn't know him, 1835 to 1910, real name Samuel Langhorne Clemens, American writer, humorist, entrepreneur, publisher, and lecturer. Timo, they always had so many titles they gave themselves back in the day, or maybe it's just what Wikipedia does. He wrote The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and the sequel The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, which is often called the great American novel. Here's the quote. Whenever you find yourself... On the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Timo, welcome back. So let me read your quote. Adrian's going to wait patiently for me to get back to him. So whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Welcome, Timo, and tell us how
2: you picked this quote from Mark Twain, please. So I think it's uh, it's truly a reflection of my life. I've uh, you know growing up um, in a fair fairly bureaucratic society, um, I've always found myself swimming against the stream. And I remember there was a, with a certain quote, um, just like the one from Mark Twain, that went along the lines of, you know, sometimes you have to be the sand and the engine of the world and not just the engine. And so growing up, uh, whether I was in school or even at the university or at my, my first few um, places of work, I've always found myself more on the side of the minority, challenging, um, I guess, the majority, And so... Um, It has helped me in that role to be a challenger many, many times um, to bulletproof different scenarios, but also to to really step back and reflect because, you know, just because the majority believes in something doesn't mean it's right.
1: Absolutely. Very interesting. Timo, relate that to retail for me, for fashion specifically, in terms of, let's see what what Mark Twain would say, on the side of the majority. Does anybody want to be on the side of the majority in fashion retail today?
3: Well,
2: I think it's a a very interesting scenario, right? Because you have the, the big players in fashion that move almost like, you know, big battle tanks. And then you got the little speedboats on the side that come in as innovators. And so you got a combination of both. Um, some, the majority, still, you know, trying to, to move slowly a certain way, but very consistent and very predictable. And then the, the speedboats coming from the side is, is truly disruptors. And so it's a really interesting time right now, especially, you know, when mixing two different two different players. Thank
1: you very much. And and we did a show on one of my other Game Changer series recently, Timo, and we talked about how the fast and agile is going to beat the big and established and slow. Is that true in fashion? Are the, are the newcomers, the spin offs, the pop-up stores, are they going to be the ones that get the, be the quote-unquote shiny new penny who's going to get all the attention? What, what do you think?
2: I actually think you need both, right? I mean, I think there's no one way that fits it all. I think it's important to have that big battle tank, so to speak. Yeah, and, and I like to speak in analogies, but having a big battle tank, having a certain foundation that's uh, reliable and dependable and, and stable, so to speak, and then also having the agile components on the side, like those little speedboats that can go out and
3: do what mm-hmm. they do and then
2: come back. But I think, I, I think the whole one way fits it all simply doesn't apply here. Um, when it comes to fashion we still deal with a lot of different cultures. So as the consumers move away into different generations, uh, so will fashion as well. Uh, but I think it will take a lot longer than, than technology, so to speak, in terms of you know, software development moves a lot faster than fashion.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I think of established retail stores where fashion is just part of it. It could be home fashion, men, women, children's fashion, uh, shoe fashion, lingerie fashion, everything. I'm thinking of fairly big box, uh, shall we say, discount stores that, that happen to be one of, one of them. That happens to be my favorite because you never know what is going to be on the shelf, Timo. You never know from day to day. It's like going to a new store because you never know what they're going to have in any particular department. And that's part of the fun of it. But one of the things that plagues them is that the checkout lines are always enormous. You have to make a time commitment balancing how much time do I have to shop? Do I put in my shopping cart? What I really want. Do I really want this stuff? Yes, I do. Am I willing to wait 15 to 20 minutes on a line to pay for it? Maybe not. So that's that's something we can talk about in terms of successful retail. Is it successful when you've got people backed up? at the cash register. Interesting conversation. We'll save that one for later. Timo, thank you very much. And now let's move on. Adrian Slater, I am reintroducing you. Adrian, client lead at Keytree. And Adrian has sent us a quote from Dr. Ralph Speth, S-P-E-T-H, the CEO of JLR, that's Jaguar, as they say here in the States, Jaguar Land Rover. He was born in 1955. I call him a young man. He's a German automotive executive, currently CEO of JLR, as I said, after his... His original roles at BMW, where he started and stayed for 20 years, LIND, L-I-N-D-E, and Ford's premier automotive group. And under Dr. Ralph Dieter's best management, JLR has increased its workforce. He was quoted in 2015 as saying, we have added more than 17 thousand people in the course of the last five years he says i guess we are the biggest r&d investor in the uk in the automotive business and he's been knighted and honored all over the world so here we go here's the quote if you think good design is expensive you should look at the cost of bad design adrian slater welcome to game changers how are you
0: Uh, Hello, Bonnie. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me today.
1: We are delighted to have you, and a shout-out to your colleague. As I said at the opening, Andrew Miller was with us for the first part of this topic, and he referred you to us, and we're very happy to have you. So talk to me about this quote. How does it relate to our – well, design is in there. How does it relate to our topic about fashion and technology? Adrian? Adrian?
0: Um, yeah, well, this it, it's an interesting quote, um, and it's particularly relevant for, for, for me especially. Um, we do a lot of work with Jaguar Land Rover, so we understand exactly where the CEO is coming from when he talks about good design. And actually, a huge amount of what we do as a company is around the user experience and design, and it is very tempting uh, when customers have projects to... Um, Get to the result, end result as quickly as possible and sometimes compromise on the, the investment in good design. Um, and I think there's a huge realization, certainly in the last couple of years, that good design is absolutely paramount. Uh, if you rush something through, put it live, whatever it might be, it could be fashion, it could be a car, it could be a piece of software, it could be anything. If you haven't invested in good design, then it's going to be very difficult to um, to maintain that. It's going to end up potentially losing your revenue, certainly could lose your brand value, and you'll end up with higher costs as a result. So, you know, it, it resonates very well with me because I spend so much time with customers and, and companies doing this type of work um, that we make sure the design is, is, is invested in right at the outset of, of any sort of uh, initiative.
1: Thank you, Adrian. And I'm thinking of good design. I'm thinking of it literally in terms of what the fashion industry is, is selling. Um, I guess we could think of it in terms of anything. Can we take a step back and think of good design as the design of a company, design of omni channel, design of a company's availability to be, as we say, where the customer is, how the customer wants to be reached. I mentioned in my open, Adrian, in my opening, that we have all kinds of new technology that lets sensors and beacons recognize a nearby shopper and make personalized offers to their mobile device, their tablet, their cell phone. We have a virtual reality letting them try things online. Do you think that good design, we can say, encompasses the way companies reach out and make themselves accessible to their customers and prospects? What do you think?
0: Uh, absolutely it does. Um, and again, this is thinking about the customer's journey, the customer's experience. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll, there'll be two words that I use uh, a lot today. One is around service and one is around the experience. And you have to focus on both of those. So You know, a customer going online to be able to do something online, whether it's create a wish list or a shopping basket and then come into a store. Uh, and be greeted by somebody who maybe knows who they are already because um, they've given them permission to share their device details and can track them in the store, and then be able to pick up where they left off and you know, continue that journey, make it seamless, make it easy, and make it feel as though that customer is really respected and, and known by the, the, the company that they're visiting. You know, I, think, I think that's absolutely key to the, uh, the whole user experience, end-to-end design of that journey.
1: Thank you very much. That's where I was going with it. I appreciate that. And Adrian, welcome. And let's go around a little farther around the table to Peter Akbar joining us again. And Peter has selected a quote from Nelson Mandela. I think everybody knows who he was, but just briefly, Nelson Rolihaha, Rolihalala Mandela, 1818 to 2013. That can't be. It's got to be 1918 to 2013. He was famous, but not for that. South African anti-apartheid revolutionary political leader and philanthropist, he served most famously as the president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. And here is the quote, interesting one. Peter has selected this time. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Peter Akbar, welcome back. How are you today?
3: Hey, good. And thanks very much, Bonnie, for, the, uh, for inviting us back. And, yeah, all good. A little bit rainy. My pleasure. Okay, but uh, but still good. Thank you.
1: Good. Talk to me about this quote. I was surprised to see the word education in it, but I love the idea of changing the world. Of course, we know Mandela, was. Yeah. that was his mission. Yes. So yes. To, how related yes. to yes. the fashion... I was thinking Go ahead.
3: about this, and about the, um, you know, changing the world through education, and whether it's, you know, the world, your world, your business world, education is vitally important. And, you know, when I think about why that grabbed me, it's, you know, when you think about trying to make complex things simple, especially in fashion retail, whether it's, um, you know, you're walking into a store and uh, doing something simple like, you know, doing a pre-checkout um, or doing good design. I mean, all of those things are, are pretty complicated, but but trying to make them simple is massive. Um, and I think it's through the, the, it's only, you can only make stuff simple if you understand it. And you can only Understand things if you if you're educated about them, you know, and and that even goes into the daily running of a business. If you're running a business and you're not educated on what's happening on a day to day, you know, mm-hmm. what is the stock level at the store, you know, uh, minute by minute. Um, if I don't have that education, um, then you're lost, right? So you know, the ability to change the world, whether it's a business world, whether it's the world. Um, is vital, and I think that's uh, that's all down to the education, and that goes right into into the systems that we deploy, how we design stuff, uh, and ultimately how we use stuff.
1: Thank you, Peter. Interesting, and and education. I'm thinking in terms of the omni-channel and things I mentioned. All of the sensors. We're in the era of big, bigger, and biggest data right now. We're in the era of of data lakes, and we did a show the yes. other day on data swamps and data oceans. All of this data coming in, just a quick question for you. When it comes to education, are there special roles in retail companies today for people who can be, shall we say, data scientists and say, okay, within a 25 foot range of the front door of our brick-and-mortar presence in a mall, in a, in a retail mall, uh, we see these customers have already bought something from us. And should we or shouldn't we make them the offer? Should it be a special discount or should it be just a welcome to the store? We've got coffee and donuts for you waiting inside. <laughs> uh, is, is there, yeah. Are there new roles where people need to be educated in the analytics of yeah. what do you do with that data? Tell me what you think.
3: Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, and, and no, that's Thank you. now, right, because, you know, if you sign up, I mean, and typically, you know, a uh, you know, retailer's not going to recognise you unless you've, you've signed up for something. And typically, you right. might have sign up for one of their apps, um, or you know, you're a great customer and they give you a, a special app, for example, or you just sign up to be to be part of their um, their world. But by doing that, you can consent that they recognise you, and then there's all sorts of good stuff that can happen. And just like you mentioned, you know, you could be outside a store and you know, they pull you in, they can they can text you and say, hey, you know, this. this uh, you know, there's a cool thing happening, an event, um, and this ties back into two things. I think it was it was Timo or Adrian who mentioned um, the uh, you know that doing less with more in the stores, and the words you know making them a, a bigger and better experience. That's that's a vital part of that, being able to connect. Um, but you're right, the marketing folks, you know, it's mm-hmm. moved on, right? The game of just sending people emails and and the print media, the internet media, um, from a marketing standpoint, is moved now because we can now use technology to address the, the if you like the market of one so mm-hmm. it's, and, it, and it's you Bonnie right so it's you as you go past that store you know knowing what you like um, and it could be that you like to be shopping when there's like no queues no, no lines in the, yes. in, the, in the checkout so they could tell you hey the checkout line is really low come on in right so it's it's directing to the market of one which we're seeing now um, rather than the market of the hundreds or thousands so that's a big one and um I think that the, uh, you're right, the, it, is, it is evolving new roles in stores uh, and in people who manage stores in retail to look at that market of one. So absolutely. Um, and I think also understanding trends, looking at that huge data. Uh, I think you mentioned the word oceans. And yes, you're right. data, data lakes, lakes, data swamps, data oceans, right. right. So finding out the trends, what's, what's going in there um, for those marketers to help you get what you need and get what you want as a, as a consumer, is becoming even more important.
1: Thank you. In- interesting. Uh, I was just mentioning a moment ago about being in a retail store with long lines. Uh, I had some time to quote-unquote kill about two weeks ago I went for a dance lesson and unfortunately the ballroom studio had a misunderstanding with the person who booked my time with my teacher and they were closing at 2 p.m. when we had arrived so they apologized and I had nothing to do literally for an hour and I had to be somewhere else on the other side of I'm in Raleigh-Durham now and I had to be somewhere else that was about a 20-minute drive away so I had time and I looked at this small shopping mall and that favorite store was there I'd never been in that store I walked in, and the line was literally 15 to 20 people waiting, and there were five cash registers open. So I had to do the calculation. Do I have time to shop, find something I want? Is it worth it to add in the time to wait on that line? Now, yeah. Peter, if they had had me, and I, I believe I'm on their email system. I believe I'm in there. If they had had that in place, they could have texted me and said, Bonnie, we know you're in the store. Okay, through sensors, I would have accepted that. The line is shorter now. Well, when I finished buying what I really didn't need, but I really liked a couple things. I <laughs> It was all <laughs> vanity purchases, completely fluff, and they didn't need it. But there was some some cool stuff. I dress with sparkles. I like sparkles, blah, blah, blah. When I finally yeah. went to the cash register, there was no line. I went right up, I was the next one online. It was such a surprise to me. I checked out in four minutes. The woman was wow. pleasant. She was, but if I had known that, I wouldn't have been looking around the store saying, okay, I need to add an extra 20 minutes because I need to wait online. I would have known and I would have spent a little more time shopping. Yeah. So,
3: it, yeah. wouldn't it have been That's nice, great. Peter, well,
1: if I mean, they'd it's have it's notified nice, me? Just
3: right. the education, knowing that you've got that what the situation in the store, so having that feedback about line uh, line counts, but also putting in new technology as well. So whether it's check um, checkout on the way, for example, you know, you have their assistance now in some stores which will come to you and help you check out before you reach the line. Um, but there are other things that you can do, you know, if, if, if you've got a whole bunch of stuff and you can't wait, then there's, and the line for the, the, the intermediate checkout is, is too long, you know, why can't you park the stuff say right, I'm going to pick this up later, you've got my details yeah. and come back and, and someone's checked you yeah. out and here's your receipt. I mean there's a whole bunch of stuff that could be done to, to personalize I think make the store experience so much better and I think I think as, a, as a, you know every consum- there's no consumer I've ever met who says they like waiting in a line. <laughs> so you know th- that I think using technology and an understanding you know q length, line and etc is is uh, is a real asset and it would certainly i think increase sales for the for the retailers that can uh, can deploy that kind of technology
1: Thank you. And that goes back to my opening quote, technology is reinventing the store and reimagining the customer experience. I want to get, before we find out where you all are today, what you're, what's in your cup or what you love to drink and what you do, I just want to circle around the panel and ask for some feedback on this little sidebar conversation I just had with Peter Akbar. Dr. Timo Sandrider, what do you think about the use of technology and acknowledging, recognizing, reaching out, making life easier for the in-person customer like I just described? Timo? Thoughts, please. So
2: yeah, I'm one of those shoppers that is all about you know purpose. I know what I want at the store. If I even go to the store, um, I buy what I want and I leave. Right? There's other people that that like the experience itself, Um, and so I think going forward, we get into a situation where it's not so much about the product, but it's the overall
3: experience
2: that's created when shopping. So I think there's going to be a, a major overhaul. Um, I, I love the, the idea that Apple has in the Apple store where you can go in, grab a product, and instead of waiting in line, um, you simply sign with your Apple ID, you pay for the item, and you walk back yeah. out, and you don't even have to interact with anybody. It, it's super simple, right? And So for somebody like me that just wants to go in and out and walk out with a product, Fantastic. Other people, um, like my mother, for example, she loves shopping, right? She wants that overall experience, and it can take hours and hours, and it doesn't have to be a purpose, and she probably buys a whole bunch of things that she doesn't need or even want, Um, but the experience itself is super valuable to her. And so I think, you know, going forward, we're going to go more and more towards that experience and emotional component when it comes to shopping than we are simply for the purpose.
1: Thank you very much. Good insights, Timo. I appreciate that. Thanks for bringing in your mom. Adrian Slater, love to hear what you think. What's your thought about technology, privacy, reaching out?
0: Yes. Um, so, so uh, Timo, you and I share the, uh, the same, same uh, shopping uh, mantra, I think, um, and likewise our families. Um, it's very different, and uh, you know, stores need to recognize that and cater for that. Um, to your point, uh, Bonnie, about entering a store and you can see a big queue, and that actually affects how you might, you know, shop and uh, the yes. experience that you have. Um, it's certainly true that you know that is a big challenge for the retailers and the stores that um, you know they maintain. Um, certainly, um, we were speaking to a panel of of retailers last week, and one of the biggest uh, topics that we discussed was around queue busting. So you've got a big queue how can you deal with that obviously you you put make sure you've got people on all of the available tills but quite often they're limited um so having a device that enables you to check them out uh, as as um Peter described you know the intermediate type checkout process is is, uh, is a very uh, you know capable way of doing it and that technology is available now you know there's no question as as uh, timo mentioned the apple store is a big proponent of that approach uh, and certainly there are other retailers now that are adopting that it has to be said though um mm-hmm. there are on the on the flip side of that if you go into a more luxury retail um store Part of the experience is having your goods that you've just bought um, beautifully wrapped and bagged and presented to you so that you can walk out of the store with uh. The, uh, you know, the iconic uh, carrier bag. So it, it's a balance, you know, and um, it is about what the different customers and the different customer segments would like uh, to experience when they're in the store.
1: Thank you, a- Adrian. I just looked up Q-busting. Never heard of it before, but I do know how to spell Q, Q-U-E-U-E, which is the British term for a line, a line of, of people. And I came up with so many articles. Q-busting, how it will help the retailers to increase ROI. That's on hackernoon.com. Q-busting techniques for yeah. your retail business. That's on biz, s, biz, small biz.com. Mobile Q-busting for better customer experience on city CityXSYS.com. Four essential queue busting strategies for Easter. This was in IVEND.com. Queue busting at POS. Retail technology trends at Retail Technology Trends. And one more. Eight simple ways to reduce queues in your retail store at I S L S Retail.com. It, it and here's one. How retailers can make queues more enjoyable. Managing yeah. the queues. Surveys showed that shoppers would avoid a store if its queues were too long, offer tastings, and get staff to queue bust. Very interesting. I think we have a whole show on that one. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, you know what, gentlemen? We're not taking a break because it's already half past, but let's quickly go around the table. Timo, you're up first. Tell us where you are in the world today. Number two, what's your favorite drink that makes you just feel really good about life? And number three, bring us up to date on what you're doing at LDJ Productions. Timo Ritter first. Okay,
2: so, yeah, let me, let me start. So I, uh, I just got to Europe, um, so I'm in Germany right now, as you mentioned earlier. I'm, I'm, uh, unfortunately, under uh, different circumstances, though we had a little emergency with my, with my mom, but, but it's all going to be good. Um, so okay. I'm in Germany, which also brings me to my drink. Um, I'm drinking a mix of, I guess, espresso and a, an energy drink, and it's due to the jet lag that I'm experiencing right now. And so anything that can help me, anything illegal that can help me stay awake, basically. Um, But I just got here and I'm leaving again on Sunday. So, yeah, I'm just trying to get a little bit over the jet lag, but not too acclimated towards the European time zones. I'll get back to the U.S. on Sunday and uh, be back at normal. Um, Let's uh, let's take a minute to spend on LDJ. Um, LDJ is the executive producer of New York Fashion Week. New York Fashion Week is definitely our marquee event. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, we activate a lot of live shows, and those live shows are in uh, a lot of the vertical, vertical markets, such as, of course, fashion, and beauty, technology, and even automotive. Uh, and so any anytime there's a large live show taking place, anything from the planning of the show to choreography, um, staging it, anything included, even the staff, we produce those live shows. Um, It's big on experience, so it's not about just simply producing a show, but it's truly uh, about producing a a long-lasting experience and and a warm feeling in the audience.
1: Wow, I did not know that's what you did. Maybe I forgot from last time. Absolutely fascinating. So much to talk about. I used to do some events and uh, just just really interesting. Thank you. And Timo, if I may, we're sending a shout-out of warmth to your family right now whatever whatever oh, is is we're sending you um, we're sending you love and and get well soon to your your mom okay well oh, thank you you're welcome I had to say it that's who we are okay Adrian Slater you're up next Adrian where in the world are you today what's your favorite drink that powers you be specific and what is your role at keytree please
0: okay so um I'm in central London, um, which is where our offices are based, and we're literally 50 yards from Trafalgar Square, so it really is central, uh, and a little bit noisy, so apologies if you do get background noise. Um, and my, uh, the drink of choice um, that I'm talking about today is gin and tonic. Um, I don't know if this is a worldwide thing, but certainly in the UK there has been an explosion in what we call craft gins. So, you know, for years and years there's been the same old names of gin, um, and you would go anywhere in the world and you would find those. But certainly in the UK at the moment there is an absolute uh, plethora of choice now with all these small distilleries uh, popping up. And you know it gets serious when uh, even some of the, the high-end department stores in London are putting some fairly significant floor space aside to, to market and sell these uh, these craft gins. So I have to admit that I've been sucked into the hype, uh, and I'm riding this wave of the, the gin and tonic revolution,
1: shall we say. <laughs> favorite your Favorite gin? What gin do you recommend?
0: Um, so, there is one called Sip Smiths, which is a London one, but there's um, I, there's another one that I just recently tried, which uh, is called, I think it's called um, Wolfman. Um, it's, uh, you can't buy it anywhere than other down in the southwest of England, so, uh, you know, this is why I quite enjoy it. As you travel around the country, you can try different brands and uh, different local brews.
1: Wolfman gin. I'm looking it up real fast to see I don't. Wolfman gin. uh, Gin the wolf warrior? No, I'm not seeing it. Wolfman, W-O-L-F-M-A-N? Wolfman gin?
0: Yeah, I'll find it for you and I'll tell you.
1: Please do, because I pride myself on being able to look up drinks. What was the other name of the first gin you mentioned?
0: Uh, Sipsmiths. S-I-P-S-M-I-T-H-S.
1: I will find that one. Just give me a sec. Here we are. Sipsmith, S-I-P-S-M-I-T-H, at premium gin handcrafted London dry gin. Beautiful bottle. You can go to Sipsmith, one word, dot com, to their home. Sipsmith is the first copper pot distillery in London for nearly 200 years. Take the 360 tour, and you have to give your birth date when you go into the website because they want to make sure you're <laughs> old enough. <laughs> Happens to me all the time, Adrian. They always want to know if I'm 18. and Likewise. I. Likewise. I was going to say I lie and say I am. That's a joke. But here they, they just ask for your day, month, and year of your birth. Oh, my goodness. That's kind of personal. So we're not going to do that. Thank you very much. And what do you do? What does a client lead at Keytree, Adrian?
0: So I um, I look after um, most of our retail clients um, and you know, Keytree, uh, we're an international award-winning sort of design and technology company. We, we implement software for customers, but we do a huge amount of user experience, design. Uh, we've got a couple of apps that are relevant to what we're talking about today and for in-store associates. So um, mm-hmm. I look after those retail clients that, that we engage with um, and um, try and keep them as happy as I can.
1: Thank you very much. That's the goal, and I'm sure the Sipsmith keeps you happy. And Peter Akbar, where are you in the world today? What's new in your role? And in between, tell me, what's your favorite drink? Peter?
3: Okay, thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, so I've been doing a, a bunch of travel lately, and uh, I'm, I found myself uh, in the U.K., I'm in the West Country, so to the west of uh, of Adrian, in in, a, in the Georgian city of Bath. And, um, I, you know, like Timo, you know, jet lag really cuts in. And, um, and, and for years, I've been just... Uh, saying, okay, I'll just drink more coffee. But what I've done in for the last couple of weeks is I've been switching over to break uh, to, to tea Bonnie tea. Mm-hmm. And um because and then just treating myself to a coffee when I really need it. So I, I kind of feel that my um that the 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 uh the levels of of uh, of um chemicals in the, in the in the coffee to keep me awake, the caffeine to keep me awake I keep a, a sort of low level and I can't have a burst. So I'm on English breakfast uh, and I've got this uh tea in front of me called um Paca tea which is like uh, an organic uh Vietnamese whole leaf tea and um it's I find it's just enough of a kick um but it doesn't make me go completely crazy. And then <laughs> when I really need uh, a shot you know, then I'll go have an espresso or a, or a cappuccino or something so It's English breakfast right now, and I found I can drink that on the plane and still go to sleep.
1: Very nice. Nice to know. And uh, Adrian, um, Adrian's new, but Peter and uh, Timo, may remember that I'm not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days. Today is Wednesday, so it's a 11 a.m. East right. Coast time show. And I have another live show at 2 p.m. that I have to prepare for in between here. But I did cheat a little bit. Don't tell anybody. We had a neighborhood coffee this morning, and I was able to go for about 30 minutes with my neighbors and had some wonderful homemade zucchini bread and a uh spinach muffin, which wasn't too interesting. We we agreed it needed something, so butter and salt helped a lot, but I did have a, a half a cup of, of regular coffee, which is not not normally what I'm allowed to do, but I think I'm okay. Normally, I'm not allowed to have caffeine, and I think you all know why, so I still have my glass of cool, clear water here. It is very gray, very cloudy here in Durham, North Carolina. Our temperatures have been ranging from the high 40s at night up to the mid-80s during the day. It's very confusing, trust me. We'll just leave it at that and the plants are going into fall mode. They're sort of still blooming, but not sure whether they should come out and not sure that the summer excruciating heat. We did not get hit by Hurricane Michael. We did not get hit by Hurricane Flo, but nearby communities did. So we were very lucky this time. So we're not taking a break because it's already 39 after. Our topic, if you're just tuning in, very interesting. You've probably picked up bits and pieces of it in our conversation. The future of fashion. Will technology dress us for success? And the concept of dressing. Addressing us is as much from the perspective, the point of view of the business of fashion retail, the business of retailers, whether they're brick and mortar, whether they have a physical footprint, whether they're just online. Omnichannel, of course, comes into this. What is the role of technology? How much data is being collected? What do we want them to know about us? How do we want to be? Contacted and treated. What kind of customer experience do we need in order to stay loyal or become loyal customers of a particular company? My special guests today are Dr. Timo Sandritter at LDJ Productions, Adrian Slater at Keytree, and Peter Akbar, AKBAR, if you want to look him up at SAP. So we're going to go around the table on a couple of topics here until we come up to our predictions round. And Timo, I believe you have to leave before. the end of the show so just blurt out when you're ready and we'll get your prediction wherever we are okay that's a deal with us so Timo I'm looking at your notes and here's something very interesting I'd like you to talk about just for a minute and a half two minutes and then we'll see what Adrian and Peter have to say you say this is the first time all generations are united on one platform smartphones talk to me about that Timo
2: <laughs> Obviously, you know I'm, I'm sitting here and I have three kids at home, and they all have their devices. And I have a mom that's elderly—not to say old, but let's say more experience. I guess <laughs> I like that. And. And so I'm, I'm looking around, and we're constantly on our devices, right? Obviously, it's an issue itself that we spend so much time on our phones and smartphones. But on the other hand, it's the first time that all generations are on the same medium, right? Before people had the newspaper, and once I'm at a computer, what else at a Game Boy? Their, the innovators had maybe a smartphone already, but, but now everybody has a cell phone. And so I'm thinking, well, if everybody has a cell phone, then clearly we can, we can do something with it. And so, so, so even... The things that you mentioned just in your in your um, in, in the paragraph before, in terms mm-hmm. of privacy, I'm thinking, well, I have nothing to hide, right? And so, if, if my phone can tell, or through beacons, that I'm entering the front, uh, entering the store, and I get pop ups on my phone and says, "Hey, Timo, you like you know soccer cleats or running shoes or stuff like that," that's completely customized with me i don't have an issue with it but i also am not concerned about privacy right um and so i'm thinking especially because all of the all the generations on the same platform we can now be a lot more focused in terms of marketing we can be a lot more focused in terms of selling uh, but also for the consumer we can be a lot more focused on customizing what people really want how often do we get you know advertisements on things that nobody cares about or i don't care about right i get stuff Mm -hmm. about i don't know feminine products that i clearly have no interest in. And so because we're now on the same platform and because we have the technology already, we can customize all of our needs and our wants um, to exactly what we want.
1: Very interesting. Absolutely. And that customization is so important. You're absolutely right. There are products I don't want to see, you don't want to see. Uh, the pop-ups get annoying. If I looked at one particular dress company, Two years ago, I'm still getting pop-ups every time I go on certain websites with advertisements for their dresses, Timo. It's like I never bought from them. Enough is enough. Didn't I do anything else that you can talk to me about in two years? Seriously? Let's see what Adrian Slater has to say about this concept of marketing through that one united platform for all generations. Adrian, join us, please.
0: Sure. um Sure. and and i agree that um you know that the, the mobile device is is the platform of choice for pretty much everybody i can still remember the day when um the the, the fight to get onto the computer at home stopped with my kids uh, and they decided that actually using facebook on their mobiles was a better experience than it was waiting to get onto the computer you know and, and i think that's a a testament to the the way that people have focused on design and focused on the user experience, and if they could get a mobile app that is is better than going online, then you know that they're in a winning position and I think a lot of uh, companies realize that and certainly uh, I use one particular airline a lot uh, and I much rather book my flights through the the app on my phone than I go onto the website because it's just such a simple experience you know and I, I think um certainly retailers are cottoning on to that um I, I think people always want to be able to um feel and try on and select goods in a store, but I certainly think that the uh, the you know the mobile is now the device of choice for pretty much everybody.
1: Thank you very much, Peter Akbar. What do you think
3: perspective? yeah, agree with our, our two previous panelists and uh, I would just add that um you know with with all that data that uh, that uh, retailers are getting. Right. They should be able to work out what what folks like and to make the the whole experience better. Um, and I think that goes uh, in 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 two ways. I think that um, it goes into the store experience, the mobile experience, but it also goes back upstream into the design experience. Um, and um, as SPS chief customer officer for fashion, um, I obviously look after our customers, but we're also looking at making new new solutions that um, uh, help our customers run better. And when you look at designers um, of old, who who basically you know went out there with the, you know they just basically had um, mood boards, they were looking around to see trends. Now they can pick up those trends digitally, um, and uh, and I think that's a, a a key piece as well with all this data that's flying around uh, to give those designers the insights um, from all the different devices that folks are using to be able to understand what what are the trends for colour and patterns. So Mel, um Timo, was talking about you know running fashion shows, and you know looking at the fashion shows when you just look at the at the at the the colors that are being put forward by the designers as their favorites, and when you start to see what uh, folks are talking about on Instagram and other um, um, platforms about what they 're really liking and comparing the two often they don 't line up so having that mm-hmm. insight, having the insight on trends on patterns uh, being able to get the best sustainable fabrics from um, from hundreds of suppliers and, and, and using the latest technology, AI, for example, to help you choose. Uh, I think that this is going to become more and more uh, prevalent and it means that there's going to be less, hopefully less and less stuff in the, in the store that you don't want to buy <laughs> because ultimately it's about making sure that when you go into a store you have a great experience but ultimately there's something there that you really want and you really need and, and uh, uh, accessing and making sense of all these data streams to help put that right product on the shelf in that fashion retailer is what it's all about too.
1: Very well put. And I would love when I go to that particular box store I mentioned a couple of times earlier in the show, if they would send me a text that would say, welcome back, Bonnie. We know you're probably looking for another sheer black jacket, a long jacket, to go over the dress you wear when you go dancing. And it's been a while since you bought one. But the last three you bought were plain. We have one with a couple of sparkles on it. Go to aisle 14, halfway down. It's there in your size. I would love that. Instead of searching the whole store in the blouses and the sweaters and the jackets and the casual clothes and and I can never find that particular they're there but they're not discernibly there, and it drives me nuts. Of course, Peter, on the flip side, it gets me to spend more time in the store searching for what I want, which may be their motivation by ignoring my shopping history. But let's move on. I want to talk about education and information. This was uh, in Peter's quote, of course, but I'm looking, Adrian, at the statements we have from you, and you say, Make the store associate a great brand ambassador, a font of all wisdom and the customer's best friend, technology can equip the store associate with the tools and resources to optimize their interactions with customers and clients. Of course, Adrian, this predisp- presupposes that you have people who are working on the store floor who want to talk to customers or are trained to. But that, withstand- that notwithstanding, what do you think? Uh, is this happening in retail today, especially in fashion, Adrian? Is this a fact?
0: Well, it is certainly um, a hot topic of conversation, you know, and, and- Again, back to my earlier point, it's all about the, uh, the the in-store experience for that customer walking into the store. Now, you know, different customers have different requirements. Some like to be just left alone. Others would like to be helped and coached on what they might be looking at and, you know, put mixed uh, matches together, shoes, handbag, dress, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, you know, there are different levels of service that you might want and expect when you walk into a store. But certainly... From a store associate point of view, um, they can be a number of things, and I think technology enables them now to to, to be, uh, if you like the best friend of that person walking into the store. So if they know information about them, la- exactly like you described, Bonnie, if, if if we've got information on a device in our hand that shows me what you've previously purchased, maybe what mm-hmm. you've been looking at online as well, and I can see the products that have, you, have been of interest to you, I can immediately have a conversation with you and start to help you. So i become your best friend, I know what you like, uh, I know what you bought previously. I might just be an advocate that really lives the brand um, of of that store uh, and, you know, is is very familiar with all the products on sale and can talk to you about all the information you might want. And there's a huge sort of swathe of um, public uprising at the moment around how clothes are manufactured, where they're manufactured, what they're made of. Um, And people are genuinely interested in that now. So I think having an advocate as a store associate, um, knowing that information, having it to hand, again, um, there are apps that can enable you to do this is is a genuine way of bringing uh, the store associate back into the frame, you know, as as a true brand ambassador. And then right at the the far end, you've got, and this is particularly applicable when uh, it's busy times, you know, when it's sale time or Christmas or Thanksgiving, um, and you've got stores that need additional staff. They may not have as much information in, you know, they may not be as experienced. We can give them uh, apps now that will enable them to understand the product set, understand where that product set is in the store, Uh, we can RFID tag items, we know where they're located, we can find them for customers. And genuinely, somebody who's only been maybe in the store for a couple of weeks could have as much experience as somebody who's been in a couple of years, knowing where everything is, knowing what customers like, Understanding the products that are available for that customer.
1: It, it's funny. I have a thank you, I have a, a friend who posted on Facebook that he visited the the city where he used to live, and he said one of his big favorite stores has moved all of the departments around and all the shelves around. And his comment, very droll, if you will, uh, for those of you who appreciate British humor, is he said, every time I visit there, he was on vacation there. He said, I am quietly putting everything back where it belongs. <laughs> I thought that was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how dare, how dare they confuse me I'm putting everything. He says he's walking around the store putting things back. It was a, a very charming thing to say. Peter Akbar, I'd love to get your thoughts on this educating of the sales associate. And by the way, Timo, do you have to leave us because it's 52 after and we're just about ready for your prediction. So, Timo, can you stick with us for another oh, no, no. two minutes?
2: This, uh, this topic is way too interesting for me. I'm, I'm sticking around.
1: There you go. There you go. We're ready for predictions, but very quickly, Peter Akbar, quick comment on, on what Adrian said in terms of edu- Yeah, Yes, so we're going to do a part two in January, February. I'm getting you yeah. all back. So, uh, sure. Peter, any quick comments on educating the sales associate yeah, yeah, with yeah, technology?
3: I, I think this one, one aspect as well of um, of AI, artificial intelligence, um, also in the stores and, and with the way that we interact. We as consumers interact with our, with, us, with the fashion brands, um, and uh, because you know, if I'm in a store, um, we we. You know, And I say, well, where is that black, um, sparkly dress? Um, and often, you know, th- that's really hard to do if you're typing stuff out. But if you have voice processing, for example, and mm-hmm. AI that can understand the voice... Oh, yeah. ...using something like an RFID tag to, to point you in the right direction, and here's the store map, so it's seamless. Um, of course, you know, Adrian was talking about this, the, the store associate, but I think there's also that, that gap for... It's, uh, I just want. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to know where that stuff is. And yes, having having it been guided to you by AI, I think that is kind of um, is where it's going. I see AI being used um, and with natural language processing in inside enterprises. It's funny. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm putting in orders and I want to find out all the different products. Uh, Thank you. colour. I can do that today with natural yes. language processing across ERP solutions. Um, I think that the next thing is that that's going to come down into the um, into the apps, uh, if you like, and help us navigate stores, help us find products, and what have you. And, of course, if you do that but just by talking, um, then, uh, of course, it will be much faster and much more meaningful.
1: Peter, you just gave us your crystal ball prediction because you looked forward in your comments. So thank you for that. We've already begun our crystal ball predictions round. Dr. Timo Standrider, talk to me. I can give you 60 seconds. What would you like to predict for the future of fashion and technology? Go
2: ahead. Yeah, I go, uh, go back to my earlier statement about, you know, creating experiences. Uh, I think we as humans, we, we play all on the side of emotions, right? So whenever you can tackle or, or capture somebody's emotions and make them feel good about something, that's when you get them. And so whether we watch movies, whether we go into stores, that experience itself that's created for us or to us, and especially if it's tailorized with technology towards our exact needs, I think that is what captures the audience, and that's what captures the consumer. So looking forward, any, any retailer, any fashion designer, you've got, of course, the exclusive brands that will always be just fine. But then the big market component, if you understand how to truly create an experience for the consumer, that's how you're going to sell production. And, uh, and so I'm excited to see what technology is going to do to us because I believe it will play a major role and continue to play an even bigger role in the future. And so I'm really excited to be part of that.
1: I'm glad you are. And Adrian Slater, I'm excited to tell you you've got exactly 60 seconds for your prediction. Keep it short and sweet. Go ahead, Adrian.
3: Sure, we'll do.
0: Um, so, so, yeah, my, my prediction really is just around the pace of change. Um, we've seen, you know, a huge change in recent years in retail and, and in the stores and uh, the online retailers that are coming to market and continue to grow. Um and I think the, the, the acceleration, it, it will just accelerate. Uh, I don't think there will be anything that slows this pace of change down. Um, but what I do think is the, um, the way in which technology helps and assists that experience will become more and more integrated and more and more seamless. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's the key, really. Um, the, the, the customer experience has to sort of, be the focus for for everybody involved Um, and the such things as Peter was discussing around AI and machine learning are going to be a key driver for that. I think we're really only just starting to uh, explore what's the possibilities of of those technologies, you know, product recognition from just scanning an item of clothing and knowing what that item of clothing is without even looking at a barcode, you know, is feasible already. So I think it's a genuinely exciting time to be in the retail space.
1: Thank you very much, Adrian. I want to do a special shout out to three wonderful panelists, Dr. Timo, Ritter Again, best wishes to your mom. Hope she feels better very soon. Adrian Slater at Keytree, Peter Akbar at SAP. A shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Uh, gentlemen, I am inviting you back for part two or part three, whatever we're up to, because as uh, Timo said, this is just too too exciting and too interesting a topic. So look for an invitation for me to come back on coffee break, probably late January, early February. So I want you to save a date for me. Appreciate that very much. Here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a fashionable and tech-motivated, tech-driven, tech-informed game-changer today, just like Dr. Timo Sandritter at LDJ Productions, just like Adrian Slater and his colleague Andrew Miller at Ghidri, and just like Peter Akbar at SAP. I will be back at 2 p.m. Eastern with a new episode of Changing the Game with Predictive Machine Learning right here on the Business Channel. You don't want to miss it. Have a good one. Bye-bye.